0: Hello. This is the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show, and I'm your host, Garrett Ashley Mullet. Today, we're going to talk about ignorance, and uh, I'm not talking about the, the kind of ignorance where uh, you just don't know. I'm talking about the kind of ignorance where you don't want to know. Uh, there's there's a big difference. Uh, nobody is born knowing everything. Uh, I've got seven children. And uh, one of them is just over a month old now. And uh, I can assure you he he knows very little to nothing. Uh, I, I can tell you he knows how to uh, cry and spit up. And uh, he maybe is, is figuring out a little bit of how to smile. Maybe. I'm not sure if it's that, if he's happy or if uh, it's gas. But uh, he doesn't know much. And that's how we all start out. Uh, as we get a little bit older, sometimes we think that we know uh, quite enough. Some of my boys, uh, one in particular, who uh, is, very much takes after his father in his personality. Uh, sometimes he's a little bit of a know-it-all. Um, but I, I assure you, he doesn't know everything. I assure you, even as much as uh, he takes after me, and I can be a little bit of a know-it-all sometimes, uh, I assure you, I don't know everything. Um, but you know, isn't that the uh, the first step to learning something new? As you admit, hey, I don't know. I'm not sure. Let's go find out. You know, someone asks you a question. Someone asks one of my children asks me a question, and I have a couple of options. One, I could just uh, make up an answer. Uh, you know, but that that that's not uh, a good way to build trust. It's not a good way to Uh, develop their minds uh, long-term. It's not a good example. Uh, Every now and then, if I'm feeling ornery, I might tease them initially, give them an absurd answer just to test them. But uh, I don't want to just make something up. And I don't want to just say, well, don't ask questions like that. You know, unless it's a really, really inappropriate question uh, for the time and the setting and, and what we need to be focusing on right now. When my kids ask a genuine question, I want to give them a genuine answer because I want them to be encouraged to learn and to grow and uh, to develop a worldview in which uh, they don't just bury their heads in the sand. They don't just say, I'm going to pretend that everything uh, is fine and just have a laser-like focus on whatever uh, makes me happy and ignore uh, everything else that doesn't because uh, that, that is folly. That, that is irresponsible, in my view, and uh, it, it, it's not what God calls us to. Um, you know, I was thinking earlier this morning, and I'll, I'll just tell you a little bit of the inspiration for this. Uh, you know, it's not uh, all in one, as if uh, you know this person's Facebook post was just uh, if the first of its kind. I've seen many variations on this attitude. Uh, I've wrestled at times with, this attitude in uh, you know some of the moments where I was stressed out by other people's reactions to events, not so much the events themselves, but other people's reactions to them. But I, I read a, a Facebook post by someone uh, from earlier this morning where he was saying, and if he's listening, you know, Hey, how's it going? Uh, but he was saying basically, uh, you know, we need to not make politics such a big deal. If it's making you unhappy to follow politics, just don't. Just turn it off. Just don't pay attention to it. Don't listen to it. Don't read it. Uh, just just pay no attention to it, and you'll be amazed at how awesome life is, how awesome the world is, and just live your life. And, uh, yeah, it's got a whole bunch of people that have liked and loved that. They think it's fantastic. I personally don't. Um You know, I, I I like him as a person. I appreciate uh, his sense of humor. Um, If you're listening, buddy, I, I, I love you dearly, but I, I can't, uh, I can't be with you on that one. I, I think, uh, you know, maybe a a way I would paraphrase that, and if you think this is unfair, then uh, forgive me, but uh, you know, that, that is the ignorance is bliss. Uh, train of thought, you know, let's just uh, not pay attention to the bad stuff that's happening and then it'll go away. It, it won't, it can't touch me if I just don't look at it, if I don't think about it. Not my problem, not my circus, not my monkeys. And I'm just not even gonna, not even gonna pay a, a, any attention to that. I'm just gonna focus on what makes me happy. Um, you know, if, if that is uh, not what what he means by it uh, certainly is what a lot of people mean by it. And I think they justify being disengaged, being checked out uh, or learning just enough to make them happy. Right. They'll they'll pay attention to to news long enough to persuade themselves that their ideology is the correct one. Their positions, their politicians are the right one. Their party is the right one. And, and then they, they tune out after that. They don't want to, Uh, think because thinking is uncomfortable thinking takes work and uh, they they would rather just play right but uh, you know if we are adults if uh, we are men and women especially men okay you you ladies uh, you know not to be sexist but I don't believe that uh, women carry as much responsibility for what is uh, wrong in the world I think God made men to be leaders in their homes. Uh, the Bible uh, makes that true uh, implicitly and explicitly. To me, uh, you know, God created men to be leaders, to be the primary responsible party uh, in their homes, in their communities, uh, in the church, etc. And uh, so, you know, women, uh, if it sounds like I'm ignoring you um, I maybe kind of am <laughs> uh, you are a part of the world and uh, don't uh, misunderstand I, I believe you can make a huge difference but uh, really men I I am I'm just about uh, fed up with this tendency to just goof off play around check out uh, turn on the Turn on the sports. Turn on the video games. Uh, crack jokes, and uh, disengage. Uh, it is it is an abdication. It is, uh, you know, it, ignorance may be bliss, but it's also irresponsible. And if God has made you to be uh, the spiritual head of your home, then you can't be ignoring what's going on in the wider world. In fact you have to be on the lookout so that you can be providing for and protecting uh, your family. <clears throat> but how could, how can the watchman on the wall see if an enemy approaches unless he's looking out and, and watching for the enemy to approach? And how is he going to uh, do anything about that enemy and prevent that enemy from coming into the city, coming into the house and hurting uh, his loved ones, if uh, he's he's put away his weapons uh, because they made him unhappy, and they weren't as much fun as uh, video games and sports and entertainment and just self-indulgence. Uh, you know, God has made us to be watchmen. Uh, we have a responsibility. Pick up your your spear and your shield. Man up. Uh, you know, the, the counterpoint to this, uh, inevitably, for Christians, will be something like Philippians 4.8, in which Paul writes, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, that right there that I just read... Uh, that is held up oftentimes as a trump card when something unpleasant is being talked about uh, as a way of saying, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't have to think about that. No, 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 no. The really super Christian, super spiritual thing to do is to ignore that because that is not happy. I don't want to think about that. I want to think about positive things because that will, will make, you know, that'll make me, attractive to non-believers. They're going to see how happy I am. And then they're going to want to become Christians. And if I, if I look upset because there's bad stuff going on and I'm paying attention to it, uh, then, then people are not going to want to be Christians. And so, you know, I, I, I have to, Philippians four, eight tells me I've just got to be happy all the time. Right? No, no, actually, uh, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You know, first off, um, a question. Is the Bible itself uh, all of these things listed? I mean, obviously, if you're reading Philippians 4.8, Philippians 4.8 is not going to tell you, close this book right now, Mr. You know, that is enough Bible reading. This is not how you should be spending your time. The Bible is a stressful book. You should be you should close this book. Why are you even reading this? You know, that's not what Philippians 4.8 is saying. Obviously, the Bible is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of praise. You know, God, uh, his interactions with mankind throughout history. uh, you know, up to the present and even on into the future, what we can expect coming down the pike is all of these things true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. Uh, and yet, uh, for one thing, you know, the Bible talks about a lot of unpleasant things, right? Uh, Cain kills Abel. Well, that's not these things. That's not happy. I don't, you know, if that was your son, killing your son, murdering your son, uh, one son killing another. I mean, you would not be happy. You you would be broken. You would be devastated for life. That's not happy. Uh, you know how God interacts in all of that, and and the larger, the bigger picture, the larger narrative, uh, what God is doing in all of that. Uh, Yes, that is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent, worthy of praise, etc. So we think about what God said, you know, what God did uh, in the context, though, of these things that happened. And if we're not supposed to think about unpleasant things, then riddle me this, Batman why are those unpleasant things in the Bible? I, I genuinely want to know if, if Philippians 4.8 is supposed to be taken to mean, we just think positive and we don't think about things that are unhappy. Why are there so many unpleasant things, unpleasant realities that confront us when we open up the Bible? Uh, I think the answer is clear, and that is that those unhappy things are part of life. And in order to have joy uh, when we have crisis or when we see the problem of evil and pain and suffering in the world or even in ourselves, uh, when we ask the the existential questions, when we ask the big theological questions, why, God, why is it this way? Why, Why did you create us with these problems? Why aren't you doing anything about it? Where is this going? What is the purpose of this? When we ask those questions, uh, you you just try uh, having joy in the midst of those questions. If someone is telling you, oh, you can't ask that. No, 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 no. Pipe down. I don't. Know. I don't want to think about that. Or or here, here, here's this lollipop. You know, focus on this lollipop. Focus on this. I'm, i You want to hear a knock knock joke? How about How about a knock knock joke? We'll just we'll brighten your mood here. Right, let's just not think about that. Uh, it's not happy. It's not true and honorable and just and pure. Well, Philippians 4.8, we're, we're taking it out of context. We're torturing it uh, in a way that uh, it, it, it was never meant to be uh, this just super positive all the time, ignorance is bliss, bury your head in the sand uh, kind of a mandate like it's used. Uh, again, I'll reiterate, ignorance may be bliss, but it's also irresponsible. God hasn't called us to be irresponsible. God has uh, told us in no uncertain terms uh, that we are responsible. We have uh, obligations. We have duties. And, and there can be uh, true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise things uh, that we will never be able to do if we're not willing to look at the context in which we live. Uh, You know, I'm reading uh, The Price of, uh, I'm sorry, The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I just started that yesterday. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit hard to follow at some points because I feel like Bonhoeffer is writing about the way that the church is uh, in his day and uh, the the condition of it as somebody very familiar with it and he's writing to an audience that he assumes will be very familiar with the church uh, as it is in that day and the way that grace has been uh, taken out of the context of repentance out of the context of suffering picking up your cross and following after Jesus and anybody who's not willing to do that is not worthy of Jesus Uh, and he talks about cheap grace And Bonhoeffer is not a fan of cheap grace. Let me just tell you that. He's not a fan of the grace, grace that is devoid of Christ. uh, That is devoid of us needing to imitate, follow after, obey Christ. You can say you have faith, but as James says, you know, show me your faith without works. I will show you my faith by my works. And we know that faith without works is dead. You know, if you're, Faith doesn't produce works. what kind of faith is that? I mean really you're not saved by the works but but by golly, if your faith doesn't produce works, that's a pretty weak faith uh, you you can say, for instance, you know i I have confidence uh, that uh, this airplane is going to get me from here to Atlanta or wherever it is that you're flying, you know, but if you won't get on the airplane. Doesn't really speak much to your confidence, your faith that that airplane is going to get you from point A to point B. If you're afraid that it's going to burn up, crash, etc., well, obviously you don't believe. uh, If you're not willing to even get on the plane, that is not that is not faith. (laughs) Um, But you know Bonhoeffer, uh, for anybody who's not familiar, uh, Bonhoeffer was uh, pretty fiery against what was happening. To the German church as the Nazis took power. And uh, you know, here he was. He was a clergy. He was uh, very well educated. Uh, he traveled to America for a time and he had some things to say about the American church as well. But Germany, they had the best universities in the world. Uh, they had uh, the best uh, professors, the best. I mean, that's, that's where you would get the best education. Bonhoeffer got arguably the best education. He came from a very uh, intelligent, hard uh, hardworking, diligent, respectable family. And he objected, uh, very bluntly to what the Nazis were doing. And the Nazis, they tried to subvert the German church and to, uh, basically hijack it for Nazism. And, uh, the Nazis were not Christians, by the way, they were neo-pagans, uh, actually, uh, Most, if not all, of the uh, Nazi leadership, at least initially, Uh, before the start of the Nazi party, they were actually part of what is known as uh, the Thule Society. The Thule Society, if you Google that, look that up, uh, was a neo-pagan cult that wanted to bring back The worship of the ancient Germanic deities. Uh, You know, some of the things that were done once the Nazis took power and they were running Germany, um, they were trying to do research on uh, what had happened to all of the uh, basically the witches uh, who had been put to death by the Catholic Church uh, when Christianity came to Germany and uh, and so that was seen actually as a as a, a very sad thing. You watch Indiana Jones and uh you see the, the Nazis show up repeatedly as uh the foe they're trying to race uh Indiana Jones uh for you know either the, the Holy Grail or the Ark of the Covenant or whatever because the Nazis believe that those relics are going to have this supernatural power that will then enable them to be victorious, to conquer the world, etc. And And that was actually, that was legit. That, that, you know, that was a, uh, I mean, Indiana Jones is a fictional character, obviously, but uh, the Nazis really did try to collect artifacts. They really did think that they could do, uh, you know, magic uh, because they were pagans. And they thought that that was going to give them special power. There, some weird, weird stuff. If you look into the history of Nazi Germany, some weird stuff that they did uh, with, with regards to uh, you know trying to bring back paganism. But anyway, that's a topic for another day. Bonhoeffer recognized what was going on because uh, it should be noted he was paying attention to what was going on in politics. Uh, he could not have spoken up and criticized and objected to the German church going along with Nazism. If he'd been unfamiliar with what the Nazis were about, what they were trying to do. Uh, you know, and what will we say? Will we say uh, he missed the boat. He just wasn't having his best life now when he, uh, objected to Jews being ejected from the German church. You know, he, well, that's politics. Once the Nazi party gets involved, that's that's politics. Bonhoeffer, you should just stay out of that. Dietrich, stay out of that. That's not your business. Your business is the gospel. Well, yes, it is. Absolutely right. This is a gospel issue. Uh, you know, thank God for the courage of men like Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, thank God also for the courage of men like William Wilberforce. You know William Wilberforce, will we say that his Christian faith should have just animated him to keep quiet and focus on positive things, focus on tending his garden, focus on knitting, focus on something that made him happy. He should have just tuned out of politics because it was stressful because it cost him his health. It literally did. It, it cost him you watch uh, Amazing grace, the the feature-length film that was made here uh, several years ago. Uh, About the life of William Wilberforce, you watch Amazing Grace and you see uh, the actor who portrays him acting out, uh, having health problems as a result of this relentless, obsessive drive to bring an end to the slave trade in the British Empire. And will we say that his Christian faith should have just had him going and, and smiling all the time and being happy, just focus on things that make you happy? Uh, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. As I read that, men like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and William Wilberforce, they did and said things that were true and honorable, just, pure, lovely, etc. And I can't understand and appreciate the reality of that. Out of context, I have to be able to see that it was a dark, ugly place they went to in order to bring light and beauty. Uh, so also with Jesus, I mean, for pity's sake, you know, pick up your cross and follow me. Well That's not very happy. What is he talking about crosses for? Crosses are unpleasant, painful, shameful deadly why would i want that why does jesus want that pick up my cross and follow i i how, how do we make sense of jesus apart from the context of everything from adam and eve to cain and abel to the present to the nazis to everything you know, you, you cannot understand the gospel message apart from the bad news. And the bad news is we've got a sin problem. The good news is we've got Jesus who has atoned, uh, who has paid the price for our sins. The bad news is we've got a sin problem. But the good news is we can repent, we can confess and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and we will be saved. Now that faith is not divorced from works. We don't just say, Jesus, Jesus, and uh, just keep pimping and uh, robbing convenience stores and murdering people and all that. You know, If we really believe in Jesus, we're going to obey the commands. If you love me, you will obey my commands. is what he says. Ignorance is bliss, but it's also irresponsible. How is it that we bring the gospel if we're not willing to pay attention to what's going on in the wider world? And how is it that we're going to speak uh, relevant truth in the church if we don't appreciate the impact that politics is having on on the people that are coming into church, on the believers and non-believers alike that are coming into church? You know, if if politics is influencing them to think that certain sins are not only okay, but you should be proud of that. You should have parades about that. Anybody who scolds you is a bigot and we're going to destroy their lives. You know, if you're not aware that that's the conversation going on in the wider world, how are you going to be relevant at all in the context of the church? moving on I'd like to talk about uh, this article 13 that has just been proposed and I think it's about to take effect in the EU uh, I don't know firsthand much about it I just have watched uh, about a 22 minute video put out by Stefan Molyneux uh, I think i uh, Five to ten minute video this morning put out by Paul Joseph Watson on the subject. So, Article 13 in the EU uh, is being billed as a way of uh, dealing with copyright infringement. And if you read the language of it, Stefan Molino very slowly, very carefully read. Uh, the language of article 13 in his video on YouTube. Uh, If you read the language of it, it's very uh, fuzzy, it's very ish, there's not a lot of hard, fast uh, rules that you can just clearly see, oh, I'm in compliance with this or I'm not in compliance with this. If you're either an individual user on social media, uh, sharing content, creating content or if you are uh, a social media giant and, uh, as, uh, Molyneux puts it, uh, that's the point, you know, the, the point is not to be specific so that people know what it is that they can and cannot do. Uh, the point is to be vague and fuzzy so that you just are so afraid you, you try to, uh, not do anything that could possibly be construed as violating this vague rule. And so, uh, it's going to have a chilling effect, and that's the idea, is to scare people into not sharing uh, memes, not sharing content that then could be flagged and taken down. Are there going to be penalties? Is there going to be punishment associated with uh, publishing memes that then are are flagged or what have you for violating this uh, statute, this this rule? Uh, you know, It just so happens, too, if you watch uh, uh, Paul Joseph Watson's video, Uh, He talks about this recent announcement that uh, some university, some group, some place, some bunch of leftists announced that they have an algorithm that is going to be able to detect uh, hate speech. And uh, and you'll be able to remove hate speech before it actually is published. So social media giants then can... Uh, implement this to where it'll it'll flag content and remove it before anybody can even see it, and if this will happen automatically, it'll be an automated process. Isn't that great? And then, lo and behold, here comes Article 13, uh, billing itself as being against uh, copyright infringement, when in actuality the language, uh, the the parameters, the scope. Uh, of it is very similar to that of this uh, other recent announcement that was supposed to be against hate speech. And so it's not hard to put two and two together there that uh, copyright infringement, supposedly, uh, is actually going to be, you know, the excuse for uh, removing what is quote unquote hate speech. And then they're just going to throw hate speech in there. It'll be like one of these, uh, omnibus bills, uh, pork, you know, where you, you just, you tack on things like studying the mating habits of, uh, the, the bald shrew, uh, or some, some weird animal from a place you've never been to. And they're going to study it's, it's, uh, you know, whatever, <laughs> mating habits, uh, and, you know, and, and they get $5 million. Congress will do that here in the U.S. They get $5 million to support some research station that's just going to watch these little furry creatures get it on for years uh, and, and write notes about that. Um, they'll, they'll get that $5 million of funding by attaching it to some major bill that funds the military or uh, public education or uh, the building of a highway or something like that. It's totally unrelated. The bill would never pass on its own, but if they can uh, piggyback it on something else that you know the politicians could just destroy uh, their fellow lawmaker, their fel- fellow le- uh, legislator, or the president, or whoever's going to sign it for not uh, going along with, then that's how they get it passed. Right? Uh, so also with this Article 13, it's pretty clear the EU has been uh, against criticism of, let's say, refugees. I, I, yeah, I use that term loosely, migrants, uh, most of whom are economic migrants or else most of whom are actually invaders, plain and simple, who uh, are colonizing the the Europe that uh, has historically been. They're, they're turning it into an Islamic uh, continent, and so the Europeans, native Europeans, who are objecting to not being able to uh, eat meat or drink alcohol, uh, you know, objecting to their their women getting sexually assaulted and harassed and raped and pushed down uh, subway stairs and things like that. They're objecting to knife attacks and beheadings and, uh, you know, trucks and cars being driven into crowds of people. Uh, things like that, you know, the Europeans who uh, have criticized the policies that uh, protect that, that uh, encourage that, uh, you know, by by bringing these people to Europe and settling them and and giving giving these people uh, the homes of native Europeans, even uh, Europeans who have criticized this, objected strongly to it, have been called racist by the establishment politicians. And then the establishment politicians pass laws saying that the social media giants are going to be required and they must or else they will be penalized. They'll be held responsible if they don't crack down on this racism, this anti-foreigner, uh, anti-Muslim uh, sentiment online, because it's just going to stir up trouble. It's going to upset people. It's going to cause uh, violent interactions. It's, it's just it's causing trouble. And what it really is, is it's the establishment. Uh, wanting to censor uh, people objecting to being abused, um, and it it is uh, it is tyranny. It, it just plain and simple, it's tyranny. It's abuse. Uh, it is the the government uh, not only neglecting but then uh, oppressing its own people, and uh, and meanwhile favoring a foreign group, which is being brought in. Uh, presumably to displace uh, the native-born people, uh, you know it's not so dissimilar. I don't think from uh, the Democrats enjoying illegal immigration, you bring in uh, these Latino uh, voters. You know they're they're going to vote sooner or later, or their children will. <laughs> Who are going to vote Democrat and uh, and support this this new status quo because the existing uh, population of your country uh, is not radical enough to go along with your crazy ideas. So we got to we got to look around the world for people to bring here to support uh, the crazy, ridiculous things that these politicians want to do. Uh, and even if the even if the the transplants from the Middle East or from Latin America or whatever, even if they don't actively support everything these crazy politicians are doing. They're at least enough of a destabilization uh, force uh, in society that uh, it makes it more difficult to mobilize against what the establishment politicians what these progressive secular globalists uh, are trying to push. Um, You know, I think it's going to be the, 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 curing the patient by, by killing them You're curing the disease by killing the patient uh, you know and, and maybe the, the politicians and the, the rich snobs the self loathing uh, anti-western politicians that are for this kind of stuff uh, maybe they maybe that's what they want you know let's just commit cultural suicide as Douglas Murray says it's the strange death of Europe it is a cultural suicide based on self loathing in the wake of world war one and two Uh, etc. But the EU, they're going to compel social media giants like Facebook and Twitter to crack down on free speech, which uh, criticizes the the policy towards migrants that criticizes and and really that that tells the truth about uh, what these Muslims are doing, uh, how they're murdering and raping and uh, terrorizing the population. Uh, a a horde of barbarians has been settled in the midst of all of these communities and continues to be settled, but the Europeans are not going to be allowed to object to it online. Certainly not using memes and that's that is what this is meant to shut down uh, more than anything else is memes Uh, so if an image just keeps showing up over and over and over and over again all it starts going viral all over the internet because it's super effective and it is timely and it's got people's attention and they're saying hey yeah this meme right here boy howdy isn't that isn't that fitting doesn't that just reveal the hypocrisy The uh, craziness of what this politician just said or what's going on in our country or this policy or that or whatever, you know, is this meme. And that's what memes have been used for for years uh, is as a a way of uh, transmitting uh, an idea, opening up a discussion about something by uh, exposing a, a hole in the logic, a hypocrisy uh, in, in those that are pushing an agenda, uh, a double standard, uh, faulty thinking, faulty reasoning by, by making it absurd and pointing it out. Uh, but you know, this stuff, this article 13 is, uh, is really designed to, uh, stop viral memes from being able to affect the public discourse. And, uh, and, and that is, that's not cool. Uh, you know, it is a, a way of sterilizing public opinion so that those who disagree with uh, the, the status quo, of the establishment, are not going to be able to have an effect, have an influence. Uh, and then your, your mainstream media outlets, they're going to be the ones that get to decide what public opinion is. They're going to be the ones that are not censored and not silenced. Their message is going to be blasted everywhere and repeated over and over and over again. And the script will be sent to every local news station in uh, the country. If, uh, if they want this to be the message, this to be the brainwashing uh, flavor of the, the month, then everybody's going to get their talking points all of the news outlets and you're going to hear it from whoever your local trusted source is as if it was objectively from them. Uh, And and so that the voices who are going to influence will be chosen in that way. And the internet as we know it and have loved it uh, will die and it will be, it will be gone. Uh, What will come in its place will be uh, an increasingly controlled, structured, uh, repressive environment in which uh, the wealthy and the powerful politically get to decide what everybody reads, what they don't read, what they see, what they don't see, what they hear, what they don't hear. And you can be censored. And this is already, it's been coming. Uh, It's just coming more and more. But what bothers me, what, what so frustrates me about uh, guys like my friend who said, you know, if, if politics is stressing you out, just don't pay attention to it. Just, just ignore it. Just tune out." is it's, it's like, it's like if you said, you know what? You can't fire me. I quit. You know, it, it's like saying, uh, I'm not going to pay attention to politics because uh, it's out of my control. And the way that I'm going to, respond to it being out of my control is I'm going to just completely take my hands off the wheel and and not even look at the road because what's the point anyways uh it is abdication uh and then you know it's like it's like I tell (laughs) it's like I tell my children sometimes you know I'll, I'll ask them to do a chore or something and they'll say dad I tried but I just can't And I'll, I'll smile and I'll say, well, not with that attitude, you can't, you know, if you, if you tell yourself that you can't do it and you give up, then of course you're not going to be able to do it. Right. And if you say, I'm going to check out, I'm not going to pay attention to politics because I can't affect any change, then you're not going to affect any change. And things are just gonna get more and more like this. If you think this is bad, just wait and see how bad it gets when you take your hands off the wheel and when you stop looking at the road. It's like if I were driving on an icy road, and I say, you know what, this icy road just really stresses me out. And so I'm just not gonna think about it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna to listen to the radio. I'm gonna look at that beautiful sunset over there. Never mind that that means taking my eyes off the road. Holding the steering wheel, I'm just—I'm gripping it so tight. I just feel stressed out about this ice and the, the bad, uh, the bad roads. I mean, the, the, what if I, I slip off the road, and go into the ditch? I'm just—well, I'm just not going to think about that. I'm just going to think about that sunset over there. Uh, you, you know, if you think the roads are dangerous when you're paying attention, just imagine how dangerous they get when you take your hands off the wheel and you're not even looking at the road anymore you know i i groan inwardly i sigh and i shake my head and i just am dismayed because the politics uh it doesn't just happen out of nothing it is it happens because we decide that this is okay you know all that evil needs to triumph is for good men to do nothing we decide that this is okay when we don't do anything to put a stop to it. And there's there's no way to put a stop to it. If you won't even pay attention, you won't even listen, you won't read, you won't engage, you want to make a joke about it and just say, everything's fine. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. So just don't pay attention to Article 13. Just live your life because that's all stressful, right? Uh, you know, what about Nikki Haley? She just gave a speech. My friend and everybody like him, they won't know what I'm talking about probably, but the U.S. withdrew from the U.N. Human Rights Commission yesterday. What about that? Did you know that? Did you, did you know that that just happened? Do you know why that just happened? Did you you listen to her speech, Nikki Haley's speech at the UN? Uh, I did. I know about it because I paid attention even just for a little bit. I didn't have 10 hours to devote to studying it, but I had 10 minutes. When it came up, the notification came up that she was giving a speech about the U.S., withdrawing from the UN Human Rights Commission. And so I turned it on. I was driving. thought, I oh, well, I'll listen to that while I'm on my way to this well site. And so I did. I multitasked. I didn't pick, do I focus on my job or do I focus on this? I was able to do both. And so I did. And, uh, you know, is it is it important? Is it meaningful that the U.S. was a part of the Human Rights Commission and now isn't? Is it important and meaningful that other countries that systematically abuse their people and have no respect whatsoever for human rights, uh, is it important that they are on the human rights uh, council, commission, whatever you want to call it? Uh, And if we've withdrawn and then you've got this migrant crisis, this, uh, you know, Parents being separated from their children that I talked about yesterday, and in my episode about illegal immigration, uh, if the Human Rights uh, Commission Council, whatever, at the UN, if it decides that uh, that is human rights abuse, we denounce America. We're going to put sanctions on the U.S. for doing that. da 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 da. da, da. Well, guess what? That might just eat into your happiness and not paying attention to politics. You might want to know that that's coming down the pike. If the world puts sanctions on us, you know, it might be good to know. You know, it might even make you happy to know, uh, you know, that if we're taking a step back from that organization because it's a sham, and we're pointing out the hypocrisy of it, and we're pointing out the lack of regard for human rights, and and that's that's what we're doing when we withdraw. You know, that might be what is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. Maybe we should think about that. Maybe we should think in other spheres, if there is something bad that's going on, maybe we should be thinking about what it is that we could do or say that might influence it in the direction of the good. You can preach the gospel and that's good, but an uh, an absolutely integral uh, inseparable part of the gospel is repentance. So you need to be aware of what it is that people need to be repenting of and also what it is that they should be turning towards. Confess and repent of your sins. Believe in Jesus. You know, how is it that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, strength, mind, soul, how is it that we love our neighbor as ourselves? Those are good things to think about, Those good questions to ask. We've got to know what it is to tell people to repent of or else the gospel doesn't make sense. And you can't even present that as a viable solution, as a viable uh, way to affect positive change in the world. Uh, you know, ignorance is bliss, but it's also irresponsible. Uh, There's two quotes I'd like to read, and I think they're relevant. Uh, One is from Voltaire, and this uh, relates to Article 13. This relates to the social media giants uh, censoring conservatives. Uh, Voltaire wrote at one point, To learn who rules over you, simply find out who you are not allowed to criticize. And the social media giants apparently rule over us. Uh, the The leftists are trying to create a utopian, globalist, secular uh, utopia. I mean, that's, that is, they're they're trying to create a socialist future. Uh, they rule over us, and so the banning of memes or whatever else that it is that they need to crack down on—that uh, is. That is them keeping us from being able to criticize them because they, they rule over us or they want to. Now, if you just submit to that and you say, well, I'm not going to disagree with them. I don't, I don't want to upset them. I don't want to offend them. I don't want to upset the people that follow them and they give them power actively and passionately. Well, guess what? You've just appointed them your rulers. You've just confirmed them and you've just made it that much harder for all the rest of us that are trying to object to what's coming down the pike. Congratulations, you've just made things worse. Uh, Pericles, ancient Athenian statesman, once famously said, just because you don't take an interest in politics doesn't mean politics won't take an interest in you. So you can ignore these things all you like. Sooner or later, you're going to have to pay attention. Sooner or later... It becomes absolutely pressing and wisdom is seeing it coming down the pike and being prepared uh, or being actively engaged instead of just passively receiving whatever is going to happen. Be a man, man up, man up. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Do you know what would be true and honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise? Would be for us to rediscover our courage, to take responsibility, to be engaged, for men to be men, for men to be husbands, for men to be fathers, for men to be leaders in their homes in their communities in their churches. That would be true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. Think about it. And with that, I conclude this episode of the Gerd Ashley Mullet show. Thank you for listening. I hope you found it encouraging and informative. Uh, If you have anything to add, uh, please reach out. Feel free to uh, message me on any of the multitudinous social media platforms uh, I'm on, uh, or email me at garrettmullet at gmail.com. It's G-A-R-R-E-T-T-M-U-L-L-E-T at gmail.com. Act now while supplies last. Uh, Message me while you still can (laughs) Uh, before the internet is so totally censored that uh, we're no longer uh, allowed to talk about such things at all. Um, But in any event, thank you for listening. God bless. God be with you. May God give us all uh, the wisdom and the grace and the strength and the courage uh, to be able to face what comes next, to be responsible with what he's given us uh, authority over, and to honor him thereby. Thank you.